We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business are the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome to another edition of Dynasty Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Rotoviz Radio Network and our friends over at Blue Wire. All right, let's get into it. We were uh, on hiatus last week due to uh, other uh, scheduling conflicts, and so we had our bye week, and now we're fresh. We're, we got our limbs loose, and uh, we're ready to podcast, Dan. That's right. Off of off of the bye week, uh, probably a, a sluggish start. But we'll turn it on in the second half, no doubt. <laughs> For sure. So 
the two previous shows before our week off, we talked about, you know, the rookies, talk about mostly the first round rookies in the first week, and then the rest of the rookies the second week. Now we're going to talk about some veterans. And now we did talk about some of the veterans in conjunction with the rookies. So mostly we're going to be talking about the veterans we haven't hit on so far in how their value has been impacted post NFL draft and basically how we're valuing them, whether they're buys, sells, or holds at their current position. So we are going to start off this week with the veteran quarterbacks who were impacted by the NFL draft, uh, namely uh, the ones that were uh, teams that selected a first-round quarterback. That is Cam Newton with Mac Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo with Trey Lance, Andy Dalton with Justin Fields, and Gardner Minshew with Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to start with Cam Newton here. I've been a, long been a, a Cam Newton fan, but the selection of Mac Jones basically signals this is where Cam Newton's career is going to be for the next few years and until his career is over. I think this is where his ceiling is. He's a guy who is going to be a week one to like five, week one to six starter who kind of warms the seat up for a rookie incoming quarterback. He's on a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. And so I, I think that he's a very solid, like, He's basically what we see Tyrod as um, pretty much on a year-to-year basis, maybe with a little bit more upside on the rushing and, and the red zone rushing. Um, but, yeah, basically, if you can get more than Tyrod va- value in trade for Cam Newton, I think now is time, a time to sell. But most likely you can't. So I think he, he's fine. He's a guy, fine guy to have on your Superflex roster. Well, I mean, and it's going to be kind of the same with with most of these guys. Their, their price for what you're going to get out of them is actually – Pretty darn good. I mean, you look at that Rotoviz Triflex ADP, and you've got Cam at QB 32, which is uh, way more than reasonable in my opinion. I, I I definitely can pick a few guys that are going ahead of him that, uh, you know, I would take Cam over. So uh, I think knowing that you're going to get some starts out of Cam and, and the cost to acquire is so minimal, These all of these guys are probably buys, except maybe not Gardner Minshew. Uh, it's going to take a little bit more for him to see some some meaningful playing time. Obviously, a trade being the the, the meaningful bit there. But with Cam, obviously, uh, you know Mac Mac Jones being the draft pick, I think he has the most freedom out of all of these guys, uh, at least at this point. And we know Cam struggles with with staying healthy, and um, and obviously he's not the Cam Newton of all. He he's still a physical being that's that's out there, but he's not. He's not picking apart a defense with his legs and and even, you know, a little bit with his arm here and there. He's he's picking up some yards. He's like 45-year-old Michael Vick. He's just, you know, you, you get a little bit here, a little bit there. I hope to break 200 yards passing. But with the weapons there, it, it's not ideal. So the, the cost to acquire is going to be really, really fair. Dalton and, and Jimmy G, I'm curious your thoughts there. Uh, how many starts combined do you think they're getting in 2021? I, I think that they're on the similar plane of Cam probably like five to seven starts. Uh, I think Dalton could could not start week one. There's, I think that Dalton has a chance to not start week one. Fields ends up getting that starting spot. I do think that there's a very strong chance that Garoppolo does start week one um, and for the first several weeks. Um, but with Garoppolo and Dalton, I see both of those guys as NFL backups. Like, I don't think that their next spot, whether it's in San Francisco or whether it's where they are now, or, you know, their next team. I don't think they're ever going to be given the keys. Like, okay, you're starting for this football team. They might have told Andy Dalton that a month ago, and he was an idiot for believing that. But I, I, I think that Cam is the only one of those three 
where they're gonna, you're going to enter a year saying, okay, Cam is our quarterback for now. Um, I don't think anyone's doing that with Garoppolo or Dalton, which is why I would value them less in Superflex Dynasty than, than Cam. Um, that, and I think that, honestly, because of Cam's rushing upside in his red zone rushing, that just gives him a decent floor when he is the one starting. So I I think that whatever you value a NFL backup as, whatever whatever you value Tyrod Taylor as, that's what you should be valuing Garoppolo and Dalton as. Yeah, and I think these guys have a decent amount of upside yet in the short term. Like like you said, though, they're they're the career backup types. You know, they they have the ability to start if if need be, but this is more so the the really nice security blanket for a high profile quarterback. These are the type of guys you go after when you have the high end rookie, when you have that that young superstar that if they happen to get injured, you don't want the team to to just completely fall off. So I think Jimmy starts a decent amount this year, assuming he's healthy. Uh, I think they bring Trey Lance along a little bit more slowly than they will Justin Fields. But the news out of Chicago it was kind of that they were committed to Andy for a bit. And I know that's all coach speak and, and whatever, but it, I still think Dalton's going to get probably up to the bye week unless it's just a complete train wreck. You know, if they if they're like, two and 10, I don't know when their bye week is, but you know, I would assume they'll make a change before that. But if they're, if they have a winning record with Dalton, they may just say, all right, 2021, we're, we're, we're chalking that one up fields. It's your, it's your offense next year. So, and what's crazy too is, is I think I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo and Andy Dalton over cam right now. And both of them are going after cam and draft. So you get, uh, Andy Dalton is uh, 36 overall in that TriFlex ADP, and uh, of course, one of those lovely Rotoviz tools giving us Dynasty ADP. But Jimmy is 37, so you got Cam 32, Dalton 36, Jimmy 37. I think they're pretty much all in in the same group, right? That's that's kind of a it's a whatever quarterback. You're going to get a few games, but maybe there's a little bit more upside there. I think the one that is essentially free right now that has huge potential dividends is Gardner Minshew. He's going QB 45 and yeah, he's stuck behind Trevor Lawrence, but all it takes is for one team to have a big need at quarterback. You get somebody that goes down early or, you know, some, something crazy happens, whatever. Someone's not who you thought they were. And Gardner Minshew probably could be had pretty cheaply from the Jags. And I'm guessing, you know, as much as they'd like to keep him around, they're going to be listening to all offers. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that there has to be a move first, but the upside at that price of QB 45 is extremely high. Uh, just, you know, obviously we talk about how the range of outcomes that doesn't account for, you know, your your future depth charts. But Gardner Minshew, he has some decent comparables when we look at his matching players for for his, you know, 2020 performance. You have 2014 Tannehill, 2013 Luck, 2016 Winston, 2015 Bortles, and 2015 Ryan Fitzpatrick, and 2013 Ryan Tannehill. So some decent players in that bunch. Those are NFL starters. Those are guys who started several years in the NFL. Obviously, Luck started as long as he wanted to because he was good uh, in Tannehill, too. Uh, but what I'm saying here is that this could be the rare scenario because we were expecting it kind of pre-draft. We were expecting it maybe during the draft. This could be a, you know, end of training camp or during the season because of an injury 
type of trade. Like maybe if Fitzpatrick gets hurt in Washington, they try and bring in Minshew. There's got to be a landing spot somewhere for Minshew to land that isn't just behind Trevor Lawrence. So I think that he's a great swing at, at his current price. I picked him in the Niger Treecast Listener League that we you know did it several months ago. I think probably around the price of like QB40, QB45 range. Um, so I, I think he's a solid value here. But we do have to recognize the – Uh, The floor on Newton, Dalton, and Garoppolo, it's not zero. The floor is actually, you know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's say five points. I'm making up a number yeah. here. But the floor I mentioned is zero. He could possibly never start again. Yeah, there, there definitely is is that possibility. I think I think the entirety of the NFL saw enough from him that he should have a job. I think the big the big thing will be the Rogers chip. It, where, wherever that falls, that could lead to a possible destination for Gardner Minshew for wherever Rogers doesn't go. So I, I think there's plenty of opportunity. I, I think there's still some obvious teams that have a need. It's just whether or not they pull the trigger and and go out and get. Uh, a quarterback that they didn't necessarily select. All right, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins pass catchers. They selected Jalen Waddle at the sixth overall pick, and they selected Hunter Long in the third round of the NFL draft. So we have Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki. Um, Start with Fuller here. I think the Jalen Waddle pick signals that Fuller signed a one-year deal, and he will be in Miami only for that one-year deal. Uh, whether you just Describe that as a positive or a negative. I think that that's something you should factor into Will Fuller's value. He's on a one-year deal, and that's how how long he will be a Miami Dolphin. Uh, Devontae Parker, I think that he could end up being, you know, a long-term like wide receiver too for the Dolphins, um, and I think that's a solid spot for him. And so I, I think that th- that the fact that Fuller is only there for a year does help Devontae Parker's value. Um, so I think that he actually gets a weird slight bump up here. Um, and then Mike Gesicki. We, we know that he's mostly a pass catcher. We know that, you know, tight ends are volatile. But the Hunter Long pick is not a great sign for him because that's just going to take away targets for Mike Gusecki. And the weird thing with Gusecki, too, is since we're on the topic, is he's still being being valued relatively high. Uh, I think he's, he's going at, in that tight end 10 to 12 range. And we know tight end's a dumpster fire. We get it. You're going to chase the names. You're going to chase the draft capital. Um, but I, I do think that the Hunter Long pick is, is there's a little bit of something there. I, I'm not saying that Kaseki won't be the day one starter. I'm not saying that he still won't get some volume in the passing offense, but you don't make that pick if you don't think he's, if he's not progressing 
you know, the way, the way you necessarily want them to, but going back to Fuller and Parker, um, I, I'm in full agreement on the Fuller bit. I, I think this is a one year prove it deal. Uh, stay healthy for 16, 17 games and ball out. You know, you, you've got the opportunity. You've got a rookie on one side. You've got a, a proven vet on the other side. You should be able to eat. The, the defense isn't going to be able to cover all three of these guys. And then you throw in, you throw in Gusecki, you throw in whoever's in the backfield. And there's, there's potential for this offense to, to do something really nice, actually. Uh, and I honestly, if we're, if we're just, you know, picking and choosing, I think Parker at, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver 60 type price, which is what you're getting in TriFlex leagues right now, is stealing. I, I think, I think he is the wide receiver one that offense. Yes, Jalen Waddle has the draft capital. He doesn't necessarily profile as a one. He profiles more as like a one a, a or a wide receiver two or one B or wide receiver two in an NFL offense. Parker has the build. He's that outside. He's that red zone. He's he's more your prototypical one. And they resigned him for a reason. He's back to be that guy, in my opinion. They bring in Fuller to bring that that big playability. And Waddle is just going to be what I would assume is a solid pro. He's going to play all over the place. He's probably going to play a little special teams as well. Um, and he's going to be a playmaker. But I don't think he's an alpha. I, I don't see that from him. So this offense could be nice. Uh, um, you know, and again, if we're taking pass catchers at price, I'm taking Parker, but also all of this conversation, we probably should talk a little bit more about Tua because he should have a huge boost because of the weapons that are currently there. Yes, for sure. They, they definitely are doing everything possible to, you know, support Tua, bring in Will Fuller, spending a first round pick on a tight end, I mean, on a wide receiver, and then adding a tight end in the third round. So, yeah, it's definitely like. We, we've talked about this Daniel Jones. We've talked about so many young quarterbacks recently. Teams are kind of starting to get the picture of, hey, I have this young quarterback. I'm going to throw as many assets at this young quarterback as possible. It doesn't always work when the quarterback is as bad as Daniel Jones. But <laughs> but this is going to give Tua the opportunity to succeed at the NFL level. And I Tua is being drafted at, in the fourth round of startups right now. And uh, you and I have like a league, uh, the Kaleidoscope League with John Bosch. I feel like we should definitely be considering Tua in the fourth round. I think you can pretty much lock that in. And just for a, a frame of reference, he's being drafted after Matthew Stafford. He's being drafted after uh, Deshaun Watson, who he should be being drafted after Deshaun Watson. But with all of the question marks, we don't know. He's being drafted after Jalen Hurts, which I do not understand. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is right there with him. Trey Lance, I would have ahead of him. But he's he's a decent value in that fourth for sure even well, even sliding into the fifth if you're looking at some triflex adp he's I, for some reason sliding down i think yeah and it's because of the floor that we saw as a rookie but i think that with the weapons coming in that floor will be boosted well and he still wasn't 100 percent. i think yeah. we can all agree he didn't look right it's a lot like the russell wilson bit he's he's good you know but when he's injured it's just it's not the same guy all right, let's move on to a guy that's been talked about plenty, so we'll hit on it really quick. Travis Etienne drafted the Jacksonville Jaguars, and so now the question is, what do we do with James Robinson? Had a great rookie season, but it doesn't help that they set, they then spent first-round draft capital on a running back. From what I've been seeing, actually, actually let's look at it right now as far as the ADP. I'm going to go with James Robinson. Uh, we have RB23 in the sixth round. 
that's actually higher than I expected. I would not be investing RB23 top top six startup top six startup pick on James Robinson. I think that from a trade value perspective, you're probably getting him for like a mid-second, and that's a lot more palatable on I think that there is still upside with how good that Jacksonville Jaguars offense can be. And if for some reason this whole like ETN is the pass catcher thing, you know, evolves, then maybe Robinson's the rusher. Yeah, I think at least early on, there's probably going to be an element of that. I, I think we'll see James Robinson involved, if only to try and move him. Uh, but also, this day and age, it, the NFL just wants fresh legs. ETM was brought in to be the playmaker. He's he's going to get his. He's got the draft capital. Uh, that offense... You know, they've got weapons galore, but it's just kind of confusing. They've got a lot of guys that do the same thing, uh, which I mean, trying to just make it easy on Trevor Lawrence, I guess. But when you are an elite talent, you really don't need things made easier for you uh, unless you're just trying to boost someone's ego or or give them, you know, a little presence of mind. Um, Yeah, I'm not I'm not touching James Robinson at at that rate. I mean, I would rather to be completely honest, have AJ Dillon or Chase Edmonds or uh, Michael Carter, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, though I'd rather have those guys than James Robinson as crazy as it sounds. And I was, I was worried about the Travis Etienne landing spot. I was like, wow, they have James Robinson. And then I thought about it and I was like, I mean, it's James Robinson. Yeah, he was fine, but he was just, they just fed him all year. Of course he's going to be decent. All right, let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, right before we started recording, some big Niners running back news came out. Jeffrey Wilson just had major surgery and is out four to six months. So that opens a bit of a door. Not, a, not It wasn't a huge impediment in the first place, but it opens a little bit of a door for Trey Sermon and Eli Mitchell. Um, Raheem Moster is the RB1 technically there right now. Um, I was never a huge long-term Raheem Mostert fan, and we talked about it when – when we talked about Sermon, I think that this cements that Sermon is the RB1 by a few weeks into the season. So what do you think you can sell Mostert for right now? Is is he worth selling or is it too late with the Sermon draft pick? It might be a little bit too late. And I think any of the real Mostert truthers uh, are probably already going to have him in most scenarios. So, it may just be worth it to hold because I do think he's going to be the lead back for probably the first half of the season, uh, assuming he's healthy, which again, with the San Francisco running back core for the last, what seems like decade, it's, are they healthy? Uh, and which one is it going to be? Which one's, which one's hurt? Which one's not, which one's in, which one's out. So and here we go again, Jeffrey Wilson surgery, who would have thunk a San Francisco 49ers running back would be injured. So, um, we all know I'm aboard the Trey Sermon bandwagon, but I, I think I, I just don't real, really see the upside in trading Mostert. I, I mean, what's the most you're going to get, like an early third? Yeah, I mean, looking at the Eurotovich Triflex ADP, some guys that are going around him that I would trade him for, or I would trade him for Kadarius Tony. I would trade him for Friar Muth. I would trade him for Tanya, and I would trade him for Troutman, um, Corey Davis, some, some guys around there. Um, so I, I don't think his value is quite dead, but I think that most likely the best time to sell most will probably be like week two or three. If he's still like dominating the snaps and people are like, Oh, maybe the sermon guy's not that good. Um, and then, then people will, 
you know, pay a little bit more for it. And then by week six, he won't be the running back anymore. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what to do. All right, let's move on to a running back that is mostly devoid of dynasty value, and that is one Melvin Gordon. He didn't have much dynasty value before. Oh, he <laughs> this Triflex ADP is surprising me as I'm, I'm pulling it up, Dan. Uh, Melvin <laughs> Gordon uh, was not a guy who had a bunch of value pre-draft, and then the uh, Broncos invested day two pick in Javante Williams. I'm not the biggest Javante Williams fan, but he is now the RB1 in Denver, and I know that there's still like the looming possibility of one Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers goes there, Javante Williams ADP and value skyrockets. Um, as it stands, he's still you know worth that like 108 to 110 range pick in rookie drafts. And but with Melvin Gordon, we're talking about Melvin Gordon today. I don't see how he could possibly be a value at his RB27 round 980p. I think he's vastly overvalued there. I think that there's several guys over the next several rounds between like 9 to 12 that I would take over Melvin Gordon. Am I overreacting to a Javante Williams pick, or are you on board with me that Melvin's done? Uh, I mean, I've never really been a huge Melvin Gordon fan, but he's there. They're paying him. They don't have an out on this he's a he's a free agent next year so there's a chance they just run him until the legs completely fall off because even though he isn't the melvin gordon we saw at wisconsin he's not the melvin gordon we saw with the chargers he's still got a little bit of life left i I would i would say he's got enough left where he's probably still going to get i mean it's probably going to be a 50 50 type workload maybe 60 40 in melvin's favor Yes, the day two pick for Javante is is good. It's great. Uh, again, like you mentioned, especially if Aaron Rodgers goes there. But you're paying Melvin Gordon four and a half million dollars. He's going to play. Uh, I don't. I don't see a way around it. I don't know what his June first cut thing looks like. If if he's got anything written in that way, if they're able to get out of it at that point, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Broncos are locked in for uh, an almost $9 million cap hit. On well, sure, but we're, we're now post-draft and post-grade. How much does that cap hit really matter? Like, They're not going to cut him for no reason, unless he's just bad in training camp. Well, it could matter for the Aaron Rodgers trade, and that's about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Yep, so I, I think that he's definitely in a at his current price and a sell if, if you have him and are able to you know get that type of return like a Debo Samuel who's being drafted in the same round of him I don't understand why those two are in the same <laughs> sentence um, but anyways I guess I'm done talking about Melvin Gordon go sell him go go not have him on your roster for that price next we have probably one of the biggest hits like other than like Minshew with Lawrence next on the list of guys who just got destroyed by the NFL draft it's one Hayden Hurst. <laughs> yeah, that's not, a tough. That's a tough break there. <laughs> not that he had a ton of value. I'm, I'm not saying that he lost the most value in the NFL draft, but he went from relevant to the de- definition of, of irrelevant. The Falcons, outside of a, I mean, obviously Julio Jones is possible, and even with that, I don't really see Hayden Hurst being that good. I was a Hayden Hurst fan because high draft capital. He was getting the high volume in in Atlanta, so I was like, okay, this is. This is the type of guy I want to invest in as a tight end, a tight end like 15 to 20 price, and I'm just getting those very cheap targets. Those cheap targets are gone. They're now they're now going to be expensive targets to Kyle Pitts. So 
uh, is there any, I know you're not a Hayden Hurst guy. So if you had Hayden Hurst on your roster right now, what would you do? I would be holding. Uh, I think Julio's gone and I don't see another wide receiver on that, on that roster. That's going to demand targets. I think it's going to be the Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts show. But I also don't think that the Hayden Hurst floor is really all that different than it's been. I think he is a good enough blocker that he's going to be on the field. They'll have plenty of two tight end sets. Again, who else are you going to put out there at wide receiver? They, they, they have Calvin Ridley, the ghost of Julio Jones, who won't be on the team for much longer, and then a pile of bodies. So I, I see I just I don't know how they don't keep him involved at least a little bit. And I'm not a Hayden Hurst fan. I wasn't when he was in the draft as a 37-year-old stepdad. Um, but I, he's one of the, he's a perfect um, like depth tight end. He's going to have volume, not a lot, but for the price, you're you're getting you're getting almost free targets. Yes, the the targets went from a large amount of targets for, for almost free to a smaller amount of targets for for free. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't think he's he, like, he's not cuttable. It's not he's not a guy you're cutting right now. Um, so at the end of a startup, possibly you know rounds like you know uh, you know twenty ish is maybe where I, I start thinking about Hayden Hurst. Um, now let's move on to the wide receiver Jalen Rager. Uh, Eagles traded up from 12 to 10 to select Devonta Smith as the wide receiver three in the NFL draft. And, and this was pretty much expected. You know, when the Eagles had the sixth pick, people thought they were taking a wide receiver to, to, you know, be the wide receiver one in front of Rager. And they dropped to 12 and they did the same thing with a small trade up to get to 10. I like Rager's value here at wide receiver 46 in the 10th round. Uh, I, th- I think he still he has a decent amount of upside. I don't. I think that his floor is hurt a little bit by the Devonta Smith pick. Um, but in terms of his ceiling, I think he's like I still think that being the Eagles wide receiver one is within within his range of outcomes. Um, and that's not really that much of an indictment on on Smith. It's that it shows that Rager was a high upside wide receiver this time last year. That people were like, oh, this guy could possibly be like a top twenty four, top sixteen wide receiver, and he didn't play like that in year one. But maybe with Hertz, a full offseason with Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith on the other side, that might boost Rager up a little bit. And did you see the news today that he confirmed moving inside the slot? Who cares what does that mean? <laughs> but that's important. I, I genuinely think that's important. That gives him a free release. That I mean, that that is the little chip shot throws for for Jalen Hurts. And we we know he likes to drive the ball downfield, but. They're going to probably have to start taking what the defense gives them, and that's going to be a lot of underneath stuff. So I think we see, we see kind of a Jordan Matthews Jr. type bit here, um, which you know isn't really good for the long run, but the short term, there's there's some real potential for for nice volume and nice fantasy output. I think Jalen Rager quickly, even though I'm not entirely sure that he's very good it quickly became a nice little buy. Uh, I, you know, the, the, uh, the defenses are all going to be taking, taking, keeping their eyes on Devonte Smith, Miles Sanders. Now Rager's just going to be free. And, and obviously you still have Zach Ertz, who I'm guessing will be moved after June one. You still have Dallas Goddard, who defenses are going to focus with a linebacker or safety. Uh, you know, there's, there's a chance that, that he can dominate from the slot. 
and we've we've said it over and over and over and over the last several months. The Eagles have the widest variance of any offense in the entire NFL. If Hertz is good, that can be a very good offense. If Hertz is who we think he is, it's uh, not great. <laughs> could be a very good running offense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to another good running offense. The Baltimore Ravens selected Rashad Bateman in the first round to go opposite of one Marquise Hollywood Brown. I've always been a huge Marquise Brown guy. I'm even more of a Marquise Brown guy at the price of wide receiver 47 in the 11th round. I I don't think that a Rashad Bateman selection is any sort of a death knell. I think they, they have two completely different games. Marquise Brown's the deep threat. Rashad Bateman is the guy who's going to beat up people in the red zone. And so... I, I don't think that his, his upside changes that much floor, ceiling, whatever it may be. I think that he's he's I think what it does is it just it adjusts the expectations. In 2020, we're like, okay, Marquise Hollywood Brown, potential NFL wide receiver one. And now that that's not there, it's like, okay, he's the wide receiver two in Baltimore. He's the guy who's going to be a deep threat. And that's what he is. With that adjusted expectation, he's much more likely to hit that. And especially with, you know, the, the concern is, okay, it's a running offense. How how, how many wide receivers is it, is it going to support? That's why I like Rashad Bateman in rookie drafts in the late first round. That's why I like Marquise Brown in, in, at his price tag. These guys are just being underpriced because we're like, okay, they're, they're a running offense. And we're just forgetting that 2019 happened with Lamar Jackson where he was one of the better passers in the NFL. Yes, he obviously had the rushing stuff that helped boost him fantasy-wise, but – he he hasn't always been as bad of a passer as he was in 2020. Yeah, he wasn't a good passer, but also, I mean, you know, the the lack of volume through the air is is the biggest red flag to be targeting any pass catchers in Baltimore. Now they have essentially built a, a fully complementary set of weapons. You've got two wide receivers that do different things very very well. You've got a stretch tight end that can also play underneath. You've got J.K. Dobbins, who could take it to the house at any point in time. You have Gus Edwards, who is literally a freight train. And you bring in Sammy Watkins, who can be your just your good wide receiver that can play any one of the spots, assuming he's healthy. The big question is, do we get super efficient, low-volume Lamar Jackson of 2019? Do we get very bad, low-volume Lamar Jackson? Or... Does someone pull a rabbit out of a hat, and do we all of a sudden find 550-plus passing targets available or, or passing attempts available for targets? I don't think the last one's very likely, but I think they had such a wake-up call last year by only trying to run the football that they invest in Rashad Bateman. You know, Marquise Brown continues to progress. They bring in Sammy Watkins. This offense takes a huge step forward. They become much more balanced rather than one-dimensional. And we see a return to 2019. Maybe not as efficient, but more opportunity. So I, I think both Bateman and Marquise Brown are really nice for their current values. I, I think there's a real big upside. Now, I, I love Mark Andrews as well. Um, and, but all three of those guys can see, uh, I would say a decent uptick in target share, you know, obviously Bateman as a rookie, he doesn't have a, a target share to work on, but all of those guys could be in that, that hundred ish target range. Um, it just kind of depends on what the offense does. 
All right, let's move on to the New York Giants passing game. We have, of course, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard. Um, I always forget his name. Uh, Darius, Darius Slayton. Slayton. Darius Slayton. There you go. Um, and then, of course, Evan Ingram as well. And then you add Kadarius Tony. So lot, lots of different mouths to feed in this offense. Genny Galladay or Kenny Galladay, <laughs> whichever one you like to call him, is obviously the wide receiver one. He's the alpha in this offense. I know you're a big Sterling Shepard guy. Who is the wide receiver two in 2021? Is it Tony, Shepard, or Slayton? Uh, it's Saquon Barkley. I, I don't think any <laughs> I don't think any wide receiver is getting more targets than Saquon Barkley. Um, Evan Engram probably will be close. I do love me some Sterling Shepard. Uh, he's just a dominant slot guy that's never really going to be a, a huge producer. He's going to get that you know, six, seven, eight hundred yard season, hope for a few touchdowns. Um, Slayton's a, a nice complimentary piece. I don't see him as anything more than an NFL wide receiver, a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. Um, and Kenny Galladay is that alpha that can't separate, but he's a big red zone threat. He's all 50, 50 balls. Um, very, very Alshon Jeffrey esque. And, you know, he, he gets a new landing spot. Downgraded quarterback, upgraded offense. So, you know, it's it's kind of a weird offense. There's a lot of just kind of strange pieces here that don't really make sense, but kind of make sense because they all do very different things. But uh, I think we see Galladay and, and Ingram and Barkley pretty much as your main operators. I think you get a little sprinkle of Shepard and Slayton, and I think they just randomly feed Kadarius Tony for no apparent reason every once in a while, right after he gets smoked for turning a punt. Yeah. And one unfortunate part of this is that the offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett. If, if <laughs> big Kyle imagination, Shan if Kyle Shanahan was the giants offensive coordinator, we would see what we saw from Debo Samuel as a rookie. We would, we would see what we saw from uh, Brandon Ayuk as a rookie from Kadarius Tony, we're not going to see those because we have Jason Garrett. Um, I I still think that dynasty value wise, Tony's the most valuable guy outside of of Galladay, and I think that by the end of the season, he's going to be the second most targeted wide receiver. We can you know talk about the yeah, I mean maybe not second most targeted, second most yardage wide receiver of of, of that core. So I still I mean I I've gobbled up several shares of Tony of how I play dynasty. Um, but I do think that the floor is pretty low for him. Um, and all of the Giants weapons outside of Galladay and Saquon in 2021, because every offense floor is low when the quarterback's bad. And that's just the case with Daniel Jones. I think the really, really the only sure bet in this offense is Saquon. Um, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see Galladay and Ingram do their thing. I don't think Kadarius Tony even shows a moderate amount of wide receiver traits. I, I think he's... He's just a gadget, special teams, flash in the pan, Tavon Austin light guy. Um, but that, it's a it's a weird offense. Daniel Jones being at the helm is is the one of the least attractive quarterback spots around. So you know I'm if I can get Saquon at a discount, I, I think he's going to finally have a little bit of space to do something because. Aside from when OBJ was around, this is the most freedom he'll he'll have, and 
you know, it, it's hopefully going to help, but it, with Daniel Jones, you never really know. All right, let's wrap up with one of the more interesting guys of the offseason. Doesn't have much dynasty value, but I think he has a n- nice amount of redraft or short-term dynasty value, and that is one Mike Davis. He was oh, kind no. of the... We're not going to do the Mike Davis thing again, are we? Mike, Nathan. Oh, no. <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> we can't do the Mike Davis thing again. We can talk about him. No bets. You are not You are not allowed to bet on Mike Davis. <laughs> I'm not allowed to bet on Mike Davis or any sort of uh, feces bets ever again. Um, Mike Davis. He is the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons. He somehow survived... The NFL draft, depending on how much of a JV and Hawkins fan you are. I am a JV and Hawkins fan, uh, but even I know undrafted free agent doesn't have much of a chance, especially in year one. So Mike Davis is going to have himself some volume. The only thing that might impede his volume is the Falcons being bad and them passing 87 times a game. But Mike Davis is in a nice position. And of course, in the passing game is actually where Mike Davis thrived in Carolina because he just got all those CMC type dump offs when he was hurt. And so, honestly, like, Mike Davis has legitimate, like, why are you, I mean, why are you doing? He has legitimate RB2 upside this year. He's got fringe RB1 upside. Uh, you you look at, at the body of work when he was actually getting the volume, whether it was with Seattle or with Carolina, he showed the receiving chops. He showed that he can do all of that. But he also looked reasonably good between the tackles. You know, Carolina and Seattle, those are two pretty bad offensive lines. But he averaged like four and a half yards a carry, and and he did it on on decent volume. So I, I think Atlanta's planning on leaning on him a little bit. I, I think they're just kind of going with you know the the whatever years Matt Ryan has left. They're just going to keep doing the patchwork on the running backs, not overspending and not overdrafting, and just using you know what free agent has free agents have to offer. Obviously, after the Todd Gurley move, now they have Mike Davis and. I think Mike Davis brings more upside than Todd Gurley did, to be completely honest with you. And obviously, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, but I think Davis he has potential to smash for you know a one year option. And obviously, this isn't you know go buy him. He's he's gonna be better than DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you're a contender, you should probably try to have Mike Davis on your team because he's going to score a lot of points. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any any hope for Javian Hawkins, or you think he is just purely a camp body? I mean, I think they can bring him along. I, I think he he and if anything, might end up taking a little bit of the passing down work. Um, you know, Mike Mike Davis. If they keep him fresh, I, I don't know. You know what Atlanta's hoping to accomplish this year? They still play in arguably the hardest division in football, and. The offense, yes, brings in Kyle Pitts. They're going to lose Julio Jones. Uh, defense is just complete. Hor- uh, they're so bad. Uh, got better last year, but still so bad. So if they have playoff aspirations, you know, maybe maybe they try to keep Mike Davis a little bit healthy. But uh, I think Hawkins is more than likely just going to be a a prospect, not uh, not necessarily a fifty three. Um, start, you know, day one roster type guy. All righty. That should wrap us up for this evening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Uh, I also make sure to rate the podcast. Uh, I did say on Twitter, and I'm not sure how much traction it's got, if any. I, I haven't looked how many like our 
uh, ratings it got. Also, make sure you're rating it five stars. Um, but I said <laughs> we, we were at like 71 likes or ratings. I keep on calling them different things. We were at 71 ratings when I tweeted that like a week ago. And I said we were going to do something crazy when we get to 100 ratings. So uh, I'm not sure what that is, but do it and then we'll figure out what this crazy thing is. Oh, we probably just have to like live stream an eating contest or something. <laughs> I'm on a diet, so no. <laughs> we can go. We go full keto, just all protein. Hot dog, hot dog, no bun. <laughs> Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Make sure to subscribe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. You gonna hit him with it? Oh, kadosh. Oh, got to leave that pause in there, Justin. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.